Thank you, team, so much for leading us. And uh, I want to invite you to join me in Luke chapter 2, if you got your word, Luke chapter 2. And uh, today we're going to be uh, just really looking at the peace that comes through Christ, peace that comes through a relationship with Christ, how this news came as good news for all people. And so even as we listen, uh, this good news is for you. This good news is for us. This good news is for everybody in the world. And, and if you're like me, good news is good news. You enjoy good news. You like to get good news. You like to share good news. Uh, when good things are happening, you want other people to know. And depending on the level of that good news depends on how loud you may get with that news. Uh, and so uh, it wasn't too long ago that my lovely bride and I were playing uh, horse in our driveway, playing basketball. And, uh, and she beat me. I'm just going to be completely honest from the very front. She beat me. My wife beat me at horse. It was a very tender moment for me. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and she hasn't won since, but I, that, you know, she beat me, she beat me. And so, so it was a big deal. And, and I'm processing that. And, and about the same time as my lovely bride defeating me, in this game is our neighbor across the street just happens to pull into their driveway. And as they do, his name's Mitch and a police officer. And, and he's getting out of his, I don't even think he opened the door. I don't even know if the door got open and my wife just starts screaming. I beat him. I beat him. I beat him. Mitch, I beat him. I beat him. And I'm like, can you calm down a little bit? I mean, like, like the whole neighborhood doesn't need to know. And, and, and the, but the thing is, this is like in that moment for her, that was like, this is news worth being loud about. And so she shared that and, 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 uh, obviously not, not trying to say apples and apples by no means here, but I'm here to say, we all understand good news and we all probably along the way have had an opportunity, but in the text today, we are reminded how these angels were gifted with the most incredible news that the world could ever hear. And it comes through, it comes through the angels. It comes through the angels. From eternity past, and, and, and my mind is finite, and so, so I, I strive to think in terms of eternity. But in eternity past, that God had set the plan in motion, that there would be a moment in time, that would, the Bible describes would be the fullness of time that God would send His Son. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. As we, we have lit the fourth candle, the peace candle, we are reminded of this message that the angels shared that is good news for all people and this good news allows and provides an opportunity for peace. We all have those moments in our lives where we long and look for peace and there is only one source that can grant that peace and it is God. In eternity past, it was set that in the fullness of time that Christ would humble himself, that God would humble himself to the point to clothe himself in flesh and dwell among us and live a perfect 
sinless life. That He would die on the cross for our sin to make a way to have peace. That He was placed in the tomb and that He rose from the dead. And so today we look at this news that is good. We look at this news that brings peace. And in Luke chapter 2 verse 8, the Bible says that in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now, I love this because it is a reminder and it's an encouragement to us that God is not only at work in the hustle and bustle and the busy places where lots of people are, that God is not only at work in this story in Bethlehem, that He is not only at work in Jerusalem, that He's not only at work in in Nazareth, but he is at work in the shepherd's fields. That he's at work in the place where it would be maybe considered the most remote. And that there's an encouragement here that it could be that somewhere along the way, those shepherds were in that field. And that as they cared for the sheep, and likely that they would have experienced a rejection from culture. They, have re- they would be seen as unclean from the religious leaders. That they were looked down upon unclean. That these are people that are not to be trusted. Not to, be, uh, not to spend time with. Like These are people to stay away from. Uh, that I wonder if there was somewhere along the way that, that the shepherds maybe thought, Does God even see me? That does God even care about me? That I know there's lots of stuff going on and lots of people walking through things. But does God care and does God know what's going on in my life? And to me, the fact that God sends angels to the shepherds in the shepherd field is a reminder that God is at work in every corner of the globe. And even to those who may be out there in the field and they're wondering, does God even care? Does God even care? I'm reminded of Psalm 139. I love this psalm, verses 1 through 10. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You know when I sit up and when I rise up. That this is just a reminder that God not only sees us, God knows us. That every single one of us at some point along the way of this day got up and God knew it. And God saw it. And God cares. It says, the psalmist says, You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path, my lying down. You're acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain it. From where shall I go from your spirit? From where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Just ask Jonah. You're there. You're there. You dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I love that truth. That as a believer, that the scriptures teach us that in Christ we are hidden in Christ. And that the words remind us that He holds us, He knows us, He sees us, He's with us, He's not distant, He's near. He's not absent, He's present. And not only that, but He knows absolutely everything. And God is at work in Bethlehem, and He is at work in the shepherd's fields 
In verse 9 it says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now this might have been the angel Gabriel. We don't know for sure. It doesn't say. The angel Gabriel, we'll see in just a few moments, he's already appeared in the Gospel of Luke on two times. But it says that the angel appeared to them. And I can't remember exactly which day it was, but I was walking outside with one of my kiddos, and the question came up, uh, Daddy, when, when, when we go to heaven, do we become angels? Like, what, 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 what happens? And we all have maybe had ideas, thoughts about angels, but the Scriptures teach us a lot about angels. Angels are created spiritual beings. They're entirely different than people. They, they are used throughout Scripture to be messengers. We see that in this text, that they are, they are sent with a mission to bring a message to those shepherds. We see it through Scripture here in this case to make known the news that's going to be great joy for all people, that they have a will, they have emotions, they have intellect, that when we see them, we see them oftentimes throughout Scripture in the context of praising God, and giving glory to God, that their whole existence is about God, that they come to this realization, I believe one of the most uh, incredible observations about the angels is that when we look to the angels, their whole purpose is simply to bring glory to God. That is where their focus is, that is where their hearts are, that's where their focus are. It's all about the Lord. And, and the, the glory of the Lord Shown around them. This is manifest presence. Manifest means clear and obvious. And so God, in a very clear and obvious way, is manifesting himself to these shepherds in such a way maybe that had never been seen since maybe the dedication of the temple in the Old Testament. 1 Kings 8. When they dedicated the temple, the Bible teaches that the glory of the Lord filled the place to the point where the priests literally were on their faces before the Lord. Why? Because it's the holy presence of God. Why? Because when man, sinful, imperfect man, is, is, lies against the backdrop of a holy God, that there is a humility that comes in a way that no other can. That Verse 9 of Luke 2 says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great Fear. They were absolutely terrified. They were terrified. Maybe you can relate. Maybe not, obviously, in, in this situation, very unique point in time with the angels and the shepherds, but yet they found themselves in a place where they were extremely fearful. They were terrified about what was going to happen next. And I mentioned this last week, but, but even in Scripture you see prophets, apostles, disciples, that when God's manifest presence is made Obvious, clear, and tangible that the immediate response is, is the understanding our sinfulness and our, and our lack of holiness in our life. That, that, that the prophet Isaiah, in, in Isaiah chapter 6, it says that, he says this, the prophet, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. So he sees the Lord, high and lifted up, train of his robe, filled the temple. Above him stood seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, here's what they do, they praise. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, 
in response to the holiness of God, the prophet Isaiah says, I said, woe is me, for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes, what? Because my eyes have seen. My eyes have seen the King. That as believers, that there will be that day where we see the King. We see Jesus. The Apostle John, the disciple John, he wrote the book of Revelation there at the end of your Bibles. Revelation 1, 17, 18. John says, when I saw him, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And I love this. But he laid his hand right. He laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, for I am the first and the last and I am the living one. I love that. When you see angels, messengers, when they are in this sharing this message that oftentimes there is a fear not for John. It was a fear not for the angel Gabriel in, in this gospel already a couple of times. The reaction is fear and the message of fear not fear not in Luke chapter one. The angel Gabriel, I mentioned two occasions, the angel Gabriel appeared at the altar of incense when Zachariah, who was the, the daddy of John the Baptist, that his dad was there at the altar of incense. And Zechariah, the Bible says, was troubled when he saw him, this angel, and fear fell. And I love the next words the angel says, do not be afraid. If you go forward a little bit more in Luke 1, Luke 1, 26, the angel Gabriel, the messenger of God, sends a message to Mary. And he says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom. There will be no end. The Bible says Mary was troubled, but the angel said, do not be afraid. And so for these shepherds, they are absolutely terrified, but there is a fear not. Luke chapter 2 verse 10 says, The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And verse 13 says, And suddenly, and suddenly, we understand suddenly. We understand when things happen that weren't on the radar. We understand when things happen quickly, unexpectedly. The Bible says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. So not only is there a messenger angel and the glory of the Lord shown around them, but now and suddenly a already crazy night is getting even crazier for these shepherds. Because now the word says that there is a multitude. We don't know how many. We don't know how many were in this multitude. But we know in scripture that there are scenes where there are thousands upon thousands of angels. In Revelation chapter 5.11 the Bible says, this is John again. He says, I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. The voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Myriads and myriads, thousands of thousands. A myriad is 10,000. 
And so in this scene, there is ten thousands of ten thousands and thousands of thousands. And imagine just, if you can, just even for a moment, if you just, if you just begin to think and imagine what it might have been like to, been, to have been in that shepherd's field and seen the Bethlehem skyline light up with the glory of God and a multitude, a multitude. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, I love this, glory to God in the highest. This is what angels do. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Angels are doing what angels do. Angels are praising. They're praising. It, 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 it's, it's amazing to, to at times kind of peel back and think, the angels had been praising God in eternity past. They're from their creation. They were created to give Him praise. And so even through eternity past, they're praising Him and praising Him. And now all of a sudden, they understand that this is the moment that they had been waiting for all their lives. That this had been the moment in their creation at that point that they understood the need for man to be rescued. That they understood the fall. That they understood how one of the cherubim was placed at the east entrance of the garden in Genesis. With a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. They understood that Jesus was entering time and space. The Son of God clothed in flesh, Emmanuel, to do for us what no one could do. He was born to die. This was his purpose. So the righteous requirement, there was a righteous payment for all of our sin. But he came to die for our sin. He came to pay the righteous payment that was due for my sin, for your sin, for the sin of the world. He was the only way. He was the only way. And God made a way. And so these angels, I believe, are going absolutely insane with praise. Because they're like this. It's finally happening. It's finally happening. It's finally happening. So they are praising God in this first advent of Christ. And they are bringing glory to God because they know the death He will die that will bring peace. This is the peace they're talking about. The peace that they are sharing with is the peace that will only come through a relationship with Jesus. Verse 14, their message is glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. This is not the warm and fuzzy feeling that, that, we, that we long for in this text, the peace this is speaking about. Though uh, for the believer, we know and rest that everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. We understand the peace that this angel is sharing about is a peace of having peace with a holy God because a holy Savior paid a price that we could never pay so that we could have a right relationship with God so that we could be forgiven. That it's very challenging to hear that we, apart from Christ, are enemies of God. Enemies of God, apart from a relationship. Romans 5, 6-11 says this, it says, Paul says, For while we are still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. 
Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were, here it is, reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation, through whom we now have peace. We have peace through Christ. And so this is the good news. The good news that Christ has come. The good news that is for all people. The good news that is no matter what. The good news that Christ has come. He's come to die. He's come to be a perfect sacrifice. He's come to take on all the sin of the world upon Himself, making the ultimate payment so that those who place their faith in Him can be forgiven, so that we can have peace. It's only through Him that we can have peace. So as we look back from this story and we look to the angels, and I believe there is some very challenging practical application for us in this text, is that what as believers can we be challenged with? What can we be challenged with from these angels? Because we read this story, and, and as I read it, I'm challenged by the angels' commitment. Think about this. Their whole existence is to bring glory to God. Period. Their whole glory is if called upon to be a messenger, that that is, that is, their, that is their assignment. But yet, where do they find themselves? Back with the myriads and myriads praising God. They're cha they challenge my commitment. They challenge my perspective. That here they are. These shepherds are being blown away. They, they are like, what is going on right now? They are, this is the long-awaited Messiah. But yet, for the angels, their perspective was, this was all a part of God's plan. Their perspective was, we have been waiting in eternity past for this moment. And this moment has come. And their perspective is one of divine perspective. That is not looking through earthly perspective, but through divine perspective. It challenges the way we process events. It challenges the way that we view why we have a purpose. Why we have a pulse in our body. That it challenges us. They challenge us to orient our lives around a God-centered theology and not a self-centered theology. That it is about God. There's an awesome little book that I read years ago called Cat and Dog Theology. Cat and Dog Theology, and what it does is it, it kind of draws a comparison between dogs and cats and how we approach our relationship with God. And so, uh, just, just curious, we'll take a moment. Who are the dog people in the house? Any dog people? All right, there's lots of us. I'm one too, all right? Uh, I'm not going to ask this, but you're truly a dog person if your dog is on your Christmas card this year. That, that's, that's all I'm saying. You are true. You are true to that. All right. Uh, let's, quick question. Cat people. How many cat people in the house? There's three. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to take a moment and pray over them this morning. Uh, no, cats are cool. I love cats too. But, but, but here's the thing. I, I, love, I love this little quote about, about, uh, about dogs and cats. It said, it's, it's been said that dogs have masters and cats have staff. <laughs> like staff that, that served them. And that, um, that, that, that the way this little, this little book challenges us is it challenges us that 
we may say God is our master, but how do we relate to Him? How do we relate to Him? Do we relate with every Bible study, no doubt to apply to our lives, but is it designed to see what God can do for us? Is it prayer time focused on telling God how He should be answering and fixing what might be broken in our lives? Is it a lifetime of of someone that is focused on knowing they're going to spend eternity with God, but with each, like it's like, how can I get there the easiest way possible with the less amount of hurt and pain and, and then just one day just kind of spend eternity with Him? I love this phrase in the book. It says, a dog may look at you and think you feed me, you pet me, you shelter me, you love me, you must be God. To a cat that says, you feed me, you pet me, you shelter me, you love me. I am God. And that there are two perspectives. There are two perspectives. And what the angels challenge us to is a perspective that everything in their life is about the glory of God. And their purpose is the glory of God. Jesus Christ invites us to follow him in discipleship. And guess what the invitation is? Take up your cross and follow me. That's the invitation. It's an invitation, not of one, yes, we grow, we become more self-aware, we un- but, but like the purpose is to follow Him. The purpose is to follow Him. It's about self-denial. This is the, what the angels model for us. They model for us that they organize their whole lives around God. Their whole purpose around Him. This is why I love the testimony of John the Baptist where he says, He must increase, I must decrease. This is why I love the testimony of the Apostle Paul. In Philippians 4, from a prison, this is what he says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. No, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In, every, in, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And here it is, I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. That this is why the Apostle Paul has this same perspective of the angels that challenge us. This is why he can write Romans 8, 28 that says, And we know that for those who who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to His purpose. That one of the most impactful mentor statements that have ever been shared to me as a follower of Jesus was this. Jared, do you believe that? Do you believe what what Paul said right there? That he can use absolutely anything. Do you really believe that? So if you believe that, then how about this? What if you prayed in this way? God, I want to thank you in advance as if you've already worked this out for good because I know you will. That is the perspective of a man who oriented his life around King Jesus. This is why he can write thank you letters from prison. This is why he can sing hymns with Silas in the middle of the night. Because he lived with this sense of, God, I trust you. He lived with this sense of, God, your ways are way higher than mine. He lived with this perspective that, God, you work in ways that I don't necessarily think I would work in. 
But there is a rest in the sovereignty of God and the grace of God and the goodness of God. And that if God's word is true, and I believe with all my heart it is, it is that he will be faithful to lead and guide and direct. And so just like the angels, can we praise him? Can we praise him? Can we praise him? Because we have peace with God because of the cross of Jesus. This good news that the angels had said. And what happens is, in light and context of whatever it might be we walk through, that when we lay our head down at night, we lay down with a perspective that is, God, I may not get it, I may not understand, but I trust you because I have peace with you. And so I rest in you. God help us. God help us. And so believer, be encouraged. Be encouraged believers. And to those who are apart from Christ, the question that I must ask is, has there ever been a time and has there ever been a place where you have acknowledged your sinfulness and your need for God? And have you humbled yourself, acknowledged your need for Him, repented of your sin? It means turning away, changing your mind about your sin and turning to Jesus who was the Savior who came to be the Savior of the world to pay the price that we never could. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You will have peace with God. And so if you're here and you do not have peace with God, I encourage you today that today would be the day where you surrender your heart and your life to King Jesus. Because as hard as it is to see, the reality is God is what matters most. God is who matters most. When we love God, we love others well. We love our spouses well. We love our kids well. We love our, our friends well, our family well. Those we're called. This is what's most important. The angels oriented their life around Him. And this is the call us and it is where we will find our greatest deepest joy even even though and fill in the blank well, let's pray together heavenly father i thank you for your word i thank you for luke chapter 2 thank you for this good news thank you for this best news I thank you father that you have made a way to have peace and there was no other way. Eternity past, fullness of time. This is what Christmas is about. You were born to die so that we could have peace with you. And so, Father, for the believer, may we lay our lives open. And may we ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. And see if there's any way in us that doesn't honor or bring glory. And, and God, we, we give you that. We repent of that. We turn from that. We trust you. We rest in you. We have peace in you. We thank you in advance that you would... We thank you in advance as if you've already worked whatever the thing is out for good. For those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. We thank you, Father, for the joy that comes in resting in you. That, Father, your grace is enough and your grace is more than enough. 
And so, Father, I just pray encouragement over believers in the house today and listening in. God, encouragement for grace. Encouragement for grace. And, Father, for someone who may be here apart from you, we pray today would be the day of salvation, the day that they would turn from their sin and self and turn to you and receive you as king. So, God, as we reflect we reflect with our focus on you. Be honored. Be glorified. May we be humble. May we be receptive. And may we rest in your peace. God, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to have a song of response. and um, Just know that we're just always available to pray over you, pray for you. With pastors down front, if you want a pastor to pray for you. Uh, but just whatever it might be, and, and my encouragement would be this, is that if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I encourage you to come. We would love to walk you through what it looks like to give your heart to Jesus. Let's praise the Lord.